0: hi everyone welcome back to the podcast i'm so excited for today's episode because we are diving into body grief that is a heavy topic, but I am still excited to talk about it because it's an important topic. And who better to bring on about this conversation than Brie Campos? Bree Campos is a licensed mental health counselor based in New Jersey. As a body image educator and the founder of Body Image with Brie, she is passionate about all things body image and practices through the lens of health at every size and intuitive eating. Utilizing a weight inclusive approach, she combines her clinical skills and lived experience to teach others how to maneuver through their own unique body image journeys. You can find her on her Instagram at Body Image with Brie or her website, bodyimagewithbree.com. Brie is a colleague, a friend. She's also a mentor to me. I do professional body image supervision underneath of her and She's just been such a wealth of knowledge, but she's also been like a wealth of love for me and compassion. Her knowledge just expands out past body image and into all things mental health. And I'm her biggest fan. I think I completely fangirled over her even though she is somebody that I can just message quickly at any moment I think I fangirled over her throughout this episode because I think that she deserves it she really has taught me so much and I'll just let the episode speak for itself we are going to be talking about body grief, body neutrality, body confidence, how to navigate the world of your own body image journey and body image healing, no matter what sort of label or definition you want to put on it. And also we answer a question from someone on my Instagram comment and some other nuances of the body image healing journey. So let's just dive in. I'll stop rambling. Enjoy this episode with the lovely Brie Campos. Hello, we have Bree with us. I'm so excited. Thanks for being on my podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. So excited to be here.
0: Of course. Well, I, of course, have been wanting to have you on for so long because for those who do not know, I've been doing supervision under Brie for a really long time now. I think since December and now it's July, so I can't even express how far I've come since working with you. I'm just going to hype you up here for a second because I, oh my gosh, in the realm of body image coaching and beyond, I've just strengthened so many different counseling skills and they're all things to you. So I really appreciate you in so many ways. Breen. Oh so
1: my goodness. Such a high, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'll just reciprocate. I mean, you, it's so incredible to watch the work that you do and um, yeah, like 10 out of 10 would recommend. So oh,
0: thank you. Well, I will never stop hyping you up because when I find something I love, I'm like, everyone needs to know about <laughs> this. So just get ready to get sick of me, but anyway, Never. Let's, let's dive in to you. Let's do it. I want to talk about how you got into this work as a body image therapist.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think as like most people, right, I had a proclivity for helping people. I like to help people and people are like, you should be a therapist. You should be a therapist. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be a therapist. I'm going to be a teacher. Fast forward, I basically
0: still teaching people. It's
1: good. Body image was so personal to me. I live life in a larger body. And I remember really trying to maneuver through my own body discomfort and my own body image. And the only solution people could give me would be to either forget, like, don't worry about your body. You're more than your body. Or to change my body. And I felt like there has to be something else. There has to be something maybe in the middle, maybe a little more, a little more neutral, but also leaving space for my discomfort and being able to move through that. So yeah, my, my career started because of my own personal struggles.
0: Yeah. And I think that So many people that I've talked to can really relate to that, bringing our own journey into the work that we do to serve other people. I think it's just one of those ways that you're able to take something that was once a big struggle in your life and have a positive spin on it in your headspace at least getting to reach out to other people. And one thing that you just said there was that you had this idea that or people were telling you that oh your body's fine don't worry about it I think that really relates to something I hear all the time where people are expecting to jump from oh I hate my body to I love my body and they think it's just this simple switch of perspective but we know that there's a lot more to that so I'd love if you could talk on that sort of misconception that we're trying to go from body hate to body love, just like that. That's just the next step.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually remember coming up with this. A little bit of my story is I, you know, as a mental health counselor, I had to do internship and I did my, one of my first internships at an eating disorder center. And I only got the job because I knew somebody who worked there and my aunt. And so, and she was the office manager. And so I didn't really know anything about eating disorders. I wasn't really familiar with it. And I have always been assumed to have an eating disorder because I lived in a larger body Mm -hmm. and realized as of working there that, oh, you know, I I probably have a little bit of disordered eating or maybe borderline orthorexia. And we could go into all of the nuances of what was celebrated in my body was considered an eating disorder in someone else's body. But another podcast for another time. (laughs) And I remember coming up with this in group because, all of the material was about loving your body and the it was an all girls group and they would be like i don't even i that doesn't even make sense to me in my mind and so i drew this spectrum on a scale of negative 10 to zero to positive 10 and i said if you could realistically put yourself on this spectrum negative 10 is i hate my body and zero is neutral and positive 10 is i love my body where would you put it and many of the people there would put themselves in that negative space of maybe negative eight negative ten negative five i said the goal is never going to be to move from negative eight to positive ten especially in what like oh i took one body image group and now all of a sudden i love my body that's that's not how it works Because why are we there? Why, why do we exist at a negative five or negative 10? Lizzo said something on the Trevor Noah show that shook me. I was like, oh, that's so good. And she said, people are so shocked by body positivity because body hatred is the norm. Mm -hmm. And so when people tell me, right, well, I just want to move towards neutrality. Neutrality isn't a place to move to. It is the byproduct of working through your body grief. I think that really
0: puts into perspective this pressure that is put onto people when they think they have to be body positive, love their body, exude this confidence when it's so much deeper than that. And I I talk about this with healing our relationship with food as well. Like it's never about the food, just like the body image troubles that the body image issues are, are not about the body, it's about things that are really underneath that. So when you were at this this eating disorder center, was that admits you also working on your own body image issues or was that after
1: <laughs> No uh, I would call it what we would call in the in the therapy world as a live exposure. Wow. So I was working through my own body dysmorphia Wow. Working with women and girls who were struggling with their own body dysmorphia, and I—I I had said this in one of my groups the other night, where I, you know, I, the girls in my group were like, "We want to work on body image." So I went back to my supervisor and I was like, "They want to work on body image," and I had my notebook. I was already, I was like, "Give me the key because I've been trying to work on my own body image," and it was dismissed. It was, "Well, body image is the last step to come." I was like, "Okay, I'll go back and I tell them." they were not having it. They were like, no, 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 no. Like, you need to give us something tangible if you want us to go eat lunch. (laughs) And I didn't blame them. I was like, I want something tangible. And so, yeah, much of the reason that I know what I'm talking about is because I have lived it myself
0: yeah and lived it while navigating other people living it right beside you and and you having to be the leader in that phase and you're like i'm still trying to figure this out wow that must have been really
1: overwhelming and scary so yeah and my therapist at the time she told me it's almost like you have depression in the area of body image and that was the first time i realized oh wow i feel really hopeless In my own journey with body image, like I would see people who talked about body positivity and quick tangent, body positivity has nothing to do with loving your body. It has nothing to do with your body, loving your body. Body positivity was a, it was created as a social justice movement to give voice and space to the most marginalized bodies, not so we could be like, oh, I you know gained X amount of pounds and I still love my body. Loving your body is great, but that's not what body posit- body positivity was intended to be. But backing up, yes. I would see people who I'm trying to think of like who who was a reference in my mind as like body positive or like fat like fat positive I can't even tell you but I knew it made me uncomfortable it made me uncomfortable to look at other people in larger bodies because it was a reflection of my own body and so I really had to work through that discomfort because I always assumed that the outcome was going to be I was going to be in a smaller body I always assumed my body positivity will come when I get a smaller body And what I've realized and what I realized along the way is I might never get that ideal body. And I had to grieve that. That's really
0: helpful to hear how when you started your body image journey, it wasn't all right, we're heading in this direction of going from that negative 10 to that plus 10. It was uncertain. And so dealing (laughs) with the discomfort of that uncertainty and honestly, some falsified, areas of you thinking, oh, it will happen when my body changes, I think is, is really great to hear. I mean, obviously, it's really troubling, but I think it's just really (laughs) relatable in a sense of when other people are going through their body image journey and they have this sort of tug of war of if I just lose a little bit of weight, then I'll love my body or maybe I can do it in this reasonable way or really rejecting the idea that being in their body size is okay. I think that tug of war that we get thrown into when we're struggling with our body image issues is something that you don't see when you see body positivity mm. on Instagram
1: no. and
0: you don't see the grief. and so that's that's what yes. I, I really want to dive into here is what it, what do you mean by that? What is
1: body grief? Absolutely. And uh, I am somebody who is w- well versed in grief from my own life and lived experience. And one of the stages of grief is acceptance. And when you think about the stages of grief, right? So it is uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And so when my therapist said to me, it almost feels like you're in the, de- you're in body image, depression, which now I would identify probably a little bit as body dysmorphia, but there was a grieving period where I had to acknowledge what well, my body might never look the way that I was told that it would if i just worked hard enough. And anytime so I'm always saying, I'm like if if you have a body image objection, i want you to try and stump me because i've probably said it myself. And one of the bigger hurdles for me was health. Right? But what about my health?
0: Oh yeah, i hear that
1: all the time. Here. Yeah. And and so this was i mean i argued my therapist. She was like, "Well, what is health to you?" And i said, "Well, it's probably you know probably a combination of eating less not eating less eating fruits and vegetables eating more nutrient-dense foods and and exercising and she was like oh okay so then you're already healthy i was like no 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 i also need to be thin she said okay well well how thin do you need to be i was like i don't know i just know i need to be thin and so i i began to realize this belief system that was in place that I believed that thinness equated health. And that's just not necessarily the case, right? And we know that. We know the, what the research says. We know that health at every size is that we have the right to pursue health habits, that health is not a marker an indicator of whether or not you are deserving, worthy of love, decency, and human respect. No, none of these things. And our society is not set up in a way that treats people that like we treat pe- fat people as second class citizens, or we treat people who are fat as lazy or that just they lack self-control. Well, a majority of the population is quote unquote overweight. And why is that, right? There's re- there's so much research and information about that of the insurance companies realized that they could charge people more money by overnight. People became overweight, all, all of these things, right? 68% of the population, or the, the female population in the United States, wears uh, larger than a size one, X. So if, if if the majority of the people are in bigger bodies, and we're living longer, what are, What is the health concerns that we are, that, that we really fear? And what I find from people is it's not so much about the health. It's really more about what are other people going to think of
0: me? I think no matter how much research you can slap in front of someone's face who's going through that grieving process of their body, the logic doesn't allow that to kind of click in and be like, okay, yeah, my body actually can be healthy at any size. It It's that self acceptance, but you have to remove it from the reliance on outward acceptance. And so if someone is going through their body image journey and they still keep getting hung up on this health thing, where do you go from there? Even though all of these, even if logic could not pull them out of that sort of but I still think I have to be smaller to be healthy. Where is the the kind of barrier
1: in that case do you think? Yeah. I I would I would say that if somebody comes to me and says I'm really worried about my health, the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do is define what health means. What does health mean or look like for you? And I wrote out all of the things, um, I like lists, I like writing things out of how I feel when I diet and how I want to feel. And what I realized is that dieting was a sore substitute for what I actually needed, that I lack boundaries in my, my work life, that I lack self care and rest that I I avoid discomfort because I value and like control. And when I was faced with these body image hurdles, like changing sizes, needing to size up on a pair of clothes, having to get rid of clothes, having to face fat phobic doctors, fearing that other people are going to think that I am less than, I realized my desire to change my body was not actually to be healthier, but was to fit in. And Brene Brown says this quote that fitting in is a hollow substitute for belonging. And that true belonging is belonging to yourself first. And I had to ask myself, do I even like my body do I like myself and the answer was no and I knew like I'm like sometimes I feel myself you know what I mean like sometimes I'm like I'm funny and Mm -hmm. sometimes I can look cute but the majority of the time I my own body disgusted me and I I would never ever put that on another human being even if it scared me it was always about me I'm scared my body's gonna look like that the the biggest fear I get from most people is if my if i don't control my body they're going to have to lift me out of my house in a crane i'm going to end up on a tv show and what my argument to that person would be is one any show that highlights somebody in a, a body of that size is bastardizing eating disorders and what that person really needs is some mental health support and without judgment and shame. And the other thing it sa- I would say is it sounds like you don't trust your body. Body
0: trust is something that nobody really connects to, right? We don't think, oh, I don't trust my body. But when we're continually relying on external cues and external validators, then we're not in attunement and having trust with our body. But I, I want to touch on what you just said a little bit about needing that acceptance and approval from people outside of you and, and what Brene Brown said, because actually my therapist described it to me as if you're always relying on approval of others mm-hmm. and you don't approve and accept yourself then it's like you're a bucket with holes in it and everyone is pouring water into that bucket and it fills for a moment and then it goes away and you're looking yeah. for water again outwardly to be poured in instead of you doing the work to actually patch the holes in your bucket so that mm. you, your hole and if anybody you know fills you up with acceptance that's great but it's not necessary and yeah those and i i liked that sort of visual of seeing that without me accepting myself even the approval of other people's won't ever be enough and that just shows that it's really within you it's not a problem outside of you and so i actually had a a post a few weeks ago about body confidence there's this spectrum and it's body neutrality or even before that undoing the the or dissecting the body hate and all of this stuff but when moving on that spectrum i wrote it's not about your body it's about your belief systems and really digging into the belief systems underneath of what is, is causing this body hate in order to move the needle towards body confidence. And I actually had some pushback from someone and I love your thoughts on it, where this person said that that was not true. Your body, (laughs) your body image is not about your thoughts and belief systems when The systems around you are set up to oppress you with fat phobia. She was saying that by saying it's about your belief systems, you're placing the blame on the person instead of fat phobic stigmas in our society. So could you talk a bit about finding body peace, body neutrality, body confidence, wherever on the spectrum, when your body may not, is not accepted
1: and is oppressed externally in society? Well, first I want to, I want to address the person who struggled with, with that post. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that I I see your pain and I I live that pain too. And maybe not in the same way. And so I'll never tell anybody I understand their experience, but living in a fat body, I understand the oppressive systems in which we live in and work in and i always tell my clients yes i live in a marginalized fat body but i still have a lot of privilege and i will hold that and marissa i know you say it all the time that you can hold that privilege as well what i don't agree with and we can agree to disagree is our belief systems it's not taking onus of those belief systems but acknowledging that those belief systems exist. So let me give you an example. I, you know, if, if, if I'll just use myself, I grew up in, in a in a very conservative environment. And I often just t- sort of turned my nose to the LGBT issue, because I was like, I don't want to get involved. It doesn't jive with me. But I, I, I don't, this is just what my faith teaches me. And so there was a belief system of, I couldn't stray from that. And not until it began to impact me personally, where I had friends and loved ones and people I knew who were coming out as gay. Did I say, I can't just sit idly by and say nothing. I have to pick a side. I have to challenge the belief systems that I grew up hearing and not necessarily from my family, but just to the, the, where I was surrounded to say, does that align with my values? And it didn't. And so now I, I always say, I, 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 curse like a sailor. I love Jesus and I love the gays and the days. And I, I do believe that part of that is the mindset, right? There is a system in place where, okay. Right. So evangelical Christians, it's like, this is our belief, but then I have to interpret, does that, do I, is that a, is that a belief I hold for myself? So if you've grown up your entire life believing that you can't be fat and healthy, it makes sense why your belief systems exist that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. until it, it until you hit that barrier, um, unless it begins to impact you personally, whether it's someone, you know, why would you, why would you second guess that?
0: Right. And so even in that example there, finding confidence in your sexuality even though there are still systems in place to oppress that still comes from within and aligning with those values. And so I guess to to answer this question which is so nuanced and I know that there's Absolutely. so much underneath of it you can't even really like even when I was responding to this it was very much you have your your experience and your interpretation of this. Yeah, it's just a little piece of such a yeah. big 1500 piece puzzle, but (laughs) I see how complicated it is when the world around you isn't in supportive of that transition of your beliefs. But at the end of the day, aligning with those values and aligning your beliefs and the way you treat yourself with your values is is what it comes down to. And it's not that simple. Um, And that's
1: (laughs) what I had to struggle with, with my own, with my own body image, because I would see, I would see these people online posing their their fat bodies unapologetically and like mostly unclothed and i was like i don't think i could ever do that and i always thought it was because of my my fat body and then i realized no it was because of my conservative upbringing that i don't even think if i was in a smaller body i would feel comfortable doing that Mm -hmm. and so i'm like i just my body was an easy way to hide Mm -hmm. it was easy to put the blame on my body but i'll also say this the first time I posted a photo of myself on Instagram, I hated it. I was like, "Oh my god, I I don't like this picture." And now, now it I can post anything. I could put <laughs> the grossest picture of me online fully clothed because I've worked through that story. I've worked through a lot of that those those mental barriers, and I posted a photo recently. I had had a partnership with Athleta New York Metro. And they got angles of me that I have never seen before because why would I? And I didn't like the photo. I didn't like how my body looked in the photo. The photographer did a beautiful job. I just was accosted that that was the way my body looked. But not accosted to the point where I felt distress. I was like, oh, I don't really like the way my stomach looks in that photo. But it was no longer tied to a belief that, This photo means I will experience less love, belonging, value, or respect in the world. And if I do lose any of those things, that is about someone else and their experience and their pain and not about me. Yes. There's no narrative attached to it. There's no story. It's just as
0: the same as if you say, oh, I I look short. If there's not a narrative attached to being short, it's just a description. So you're able to look at photos now and have some sort of thought or description about it without this distressing narrative attached to it. And so that's what comes as a result of the work of grieving and, and really working through it. And so how does someone begin that grieving
1: process? I, I feel like all of the time people want to do and, and my my friend Victoria Wellsby talks about this. People a want
0: fierce fatty. I love it They are parents.
1: awesome. Yes. I recommend following their work. And they, they had this podcast episode where they talked about people want to do the sexy body image work. (laughs) Like, okay, I hear that, right? I get it. We want to do the sexy work, which is what that's like wearing the bikini and just feeling that confidence, but you don't get, that's not where you start right you that start... same thing we kind of started talking about at the beginning yeah. that jump
0: people think we jump from hating your body to putting the bikini on and exactly. flaunting it and feeling yeah. good it's yeah it's not it's not that yeah. unfortunately yeah. i wish it was
1: <laughs> me too if i if we could figure out a way marissa know. To, to bottle and sell self-love oh, oh my god we, we would be we would be trillionaires seriously never have to work a day in our life anyone that's trying to sell you this <laughs> Right? that's I mean they're trying to sell it to you. And, and here's what I'll tell people. I don't I don't like selling body positivity. I don't promise you that your body image will go from that body hatred to that body love. My work is around body grief. I will hold space for your suck. I will sit in that suck with you. But I do think that when something is right in front of you and you're forced to look at it, there's a higher likelihood that we will we will go back to it, we will address it, and we will move through it. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of being forced to look at that feeling of my
0: body may never be what I once envisioned it to be or what I want it to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hurts. again, where did, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Where did this idea come from that our bodies are supposed to look a certain way? And, and I've, I talk about this a lot, especially when it comes to pictures, Pictures don't accost me as much anymore because I stopped expecting to see a skinny person on the other side. Mm -hmm. The expectation was always like, oh my God, this is the first time I'm looking at my body or myself because we've learned to disconnect from our bodies. Many of us, out of safety, it was unsafe to connect to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so we want to figure out how to trust our bodies. We want to begin that trust journey. We have to figure out how to begin to connect to our bodies in a way that feels safe. One of the, I I give this away, I say this all of the time. My formula for body image is building awareness plus unlearning over time in community. We need to build awareness around the thoughts. We need to unlearn the unhealthy thought patterns that are attached to those thoughts. We need to measure it over time because it's not going to be instantaneous. Emphasis on the time. Emphasis yeah, on the time. And I just sucks. made a post about this. Time does not heal anything. Not <laughs> anything. just waiting around looking at the clock. Definitely. Right. Like, yeah. okay, well, it's been five years I've been working on this. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> time does not heal anything. All time does is make the wound familiar. The more familiar you become with the wound, the less hurt you are by the wound or you find another avenue where you're like, oh crap, there's still so much more to explore and understand. And people will say to me, well, when, when, when do I get to stop working on my body image? And I say, when you no longer have a body and that's hard for people because it has felt like a battle. And it, my my mom will always say this thing like and it's not hers i don't remember who says it but whatever you whatever you resist persists and if you feel like you're fighting the body image current what if we just went with it what if we what if we went down to the deepest darkest thought and fear many people are afraid i'm not going to be able to get back up that is grief Mm
0: being able to really look at it, that awareness, instead of trying to avoid it with ways that make you feel safe. And so I have a couple more questions I really, really wanna ask you. And one of them is kind of around that of, do you find that for many and for you and your story, it's hard to move into that awareness and that looking at it right in the eye and, and grief stage, because that means you have to accept that you're not in control of your body and the control is the source
1: of safety. Mm. What I'd argue is, were we ever in control?
0: Right. Which I, it's a false sense of control, Right. but that it's that feeling of, I can control my body that so many people, and I mean, society, all of the systems believe in and put forward when it's, Obviously, not true. If it were that simple, then we wouldn't have, yeah, a body image, sure of weight, yeah. Stronger. And so, when realizing I'm no longer in control, or really realizing that I never was in control, how does that
1: relate to this grief? What I, what I encourage people to do, kind of like those lists that I made, because I wasn't ready to give up dieting. Like I was ready to be done with dieting, but I was not ready to be in a large body. Like I was not ready to say, This is my body. And if you look at without the rose colored glasses, take off all of the things that you thought were so great about the that time. Because of people who are like, Oh, I have more energy, I feel better. Sleeping, good I don't know, all of these things that they're they they believe are from the diet, which let's let's be honest is are you just eating vegetables and fruit for the first time when you're not on a diet, or moving your body or drinking water or all these any of these health habits which we encourage you and we think is great to do but not being manipulated out of I'm going to control my body as Mm -hmm. opposed to this is love this is self-kindness this is this is body kindness I digress if we were to write out all of the quote-unquote benefits of dieting, how much does it cost you? And for me, it costs me my peace. I can distinctly remember moments in my life where I just I felt so angry and frustrated that I, I it was hard to be present because I was trying to stay on my quote-unquote diet. And I would have these accommodations. And it cost me money to stay on these diets. And it it cost me social experiences. Because it was easier for me not to go than to go, quote unquote, cheat. And then I look at my life post-dieting. And there is still cost there. It, there is a cost. The cost is I don't get compliments on my body anymore. I don't get that feeling before you start a new diet. I don't get the the praise and adoration of how dedicated and hardworking I am. There is a cost of going to the doctor and having to, you know, defend my my body size. But the peace, the freedom that comes with intuitive eating, and food freedom, authentic food freedom. And the the brain space that's been in my brain when I'm not consumed with how my body looks is uncomparable, incomparable, uncomparable <laughs> to dieting. And it's so not. go ahead. I was just going to say,
0: it's not worth
1: it to you to give up that freedom. No, no. A- and It's not, it's so hard because with dieting, there's no, there's so many quote unquote measures that we use, right? There's no measure to assess your thoughts. There's no, there's no like scale that you can step on to be like, oh, wow, my thoughts have changed. The only thing you have is lived experiences. And so I'll never forget it was during COVID. And I think it was like trying to remember, I don't remember when time is a blur. And it was, it was my night to, to do dinner. And one of the things I allowed myself to do during COVID was like, I, I will support local restaurants because I don't have the energy or the time to co- <laughs> to cook. And so it was like a nice night out. We had had some groceries. I was like, I asked my dad, I was like, do you want a grill? And he was like, yeah. So We, we makeshifted some hot dogs and some buns and I was like, oh, I can make a quick salad and I can, I think I have this like macaroni salad. I I don't know. I had all of this stuff and I had a bottle of wine and I was like, wow, in, in a prior time, this wouldn't have been able to happen. I would have had to have this had planned out and regimented and known exactly what I was going to eat. There wasn't that freedom to just be like, oh yeah. Like... Let's switch the plan. Let's do that. And the freedom that comes with that to me is just, it's unmatched. Mm-hmm. There is still loss. There's still, and there are moments when I'm, i realize I that that grief comes up and it's off, often like a wave when I feel that wave coming over me of why am I feeling this discomfort or distress in my body? And I have to ask myself, what's the story I'm telling myself? That also happened in COVID when we left our houses probably for the first time. And I I went for a walk with my friend and my body was in so much pain. And the first thing I felt was judgment and fear. And I was like, oh, I can't process this right now. I was like, I'm gonna shut this thought off, but I'm gonna come back to it. And on my drive home, I realized there's a fear of me not being strong or abled. And it was very ableist of me. I didn't even realize that I was projecting my own, like I would never put that on anyone else. But for me, it wasn't okay. And I had to work through that. Because if not, then every time I did or didn't move, there would be a story playing out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's really moving to
0: more of that curious, compassionate lens to treat those thoughts and beliefs that come up underneath of any sort of judgment shame and guilt to really be able to kind of treat yourself like a friend and and hold space for your own feelings and mm-hmm. and not feel that any sort of emotional kick up of events is something to be judged for but rather to tune into as okay what's what's going on here because there's something my body's trying to tell me and that shift from judgment to compassionate curiosity is really I mean when you just get set free from your head that is mm. just always ugh, at war because you know it like you said that freedom is unmatched there's nothing there's nothing that's worth giving that up so Amen. that yeah that was that was really helpful to kind of reflect on and and so one last question that I really have for you this has all been I mean so amazing and helpful and just, to hear the the journey you've been on, I'm sure is, is inspiring so many listening right now, but I have one, I had one client recently tell me that this idea of grieving her body felt really silly and almost embarrassing. Like how could that be the same process of grief when you lose a loved one? And so can you talk about when we think of the word grief and how in a traditional sense, I think a lot of times it's spoken about when it when it comes to losing people and grieving loved ones. But how does that how does grief overall have an intersection in other areas of our life?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think specifically in the United States we don't we don't do grief well. Even if you think about like a person dying, it's like okay they die, and then if they die on a Monday, the wake is on Wednesday, they're buried by Friday, and then we don't ever talk about it again. Because oh my gosh, if we bring it up, then we're going to be bringing up a real big discomfort for them that they're not already feeling. We don't we don't handle grief well. What I'd argue, if you look at the definition of grief, it says it is deep sorrow. And when you look up the definition of sorrow, it says a loss that causes you distress. I would argue that many of us feel distress when we feel lost, even around our bodies. I think I think we've experienced grief in so many ways, we just don't know it. I would argue this last year of being at home, having to miss out on, on family gatherings and events and connection was a collective grief. I think that being rejected by, by kids in school when you were growing up is grief. I think not getting into your, your dream school is grief. Not getting the dream job or the job that you applied for is grief. When the loss causes you distress, that is grief. You don't have to call it grief. If grief, if it, if it feels, if it feels too heavy to call it grief, you can call it whatever you want. What I want you to look at is the feeling. What are the feelings that you are experiencing? And with grief, here's what's not helpful. If you were to ever go to a funeral and someone had lost someone you wouldn't say oh don't worry it's fine like they're they're in a better place now and you also wouldn't try to fix it like well have you have you tried doing this have you tried fixing this we would be like "Mm, no what do we do we just show up we show up and we're present and we say I don't have words and this is I mean like I'm at a loss for words but I care about you so much that I want to be present with you and your grief is not too big for me to hold. Sitting in the suck. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. That is so helpful because we've talked about it between me and you before, but this idea that as dietitians and other clinicians were trained to have a solution. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to things in this work that are much deeper, that encompass grief there's no solution other than to grieve and yeah. to sit with to that, feel the feelings. to feel yeah. it. And that was something I, I had to really figure out how to do with, with clients, but also how to do within my life. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, it, it ends up bleeding into so many other things. And although that this work, I'm sure it sounds scary and dark and, and sad, When you're able to sit with it and get to that level of acceptance with whatever you're going through, it makes a lot of other things that you'll have to go through easier because you can navigate it knowing you've done it before and knowing what will be helpful moving forward. So even if, like you said, there's, there's still moments where you grieve your body, it's you're able to flow in and out of that without it being distressing mm-hmm. over and, and taking over your whole life. So if anyone's listening and you're like, you guys are scaring me, I don't actually wanna <laughs> wanna do this work. Just know that it the on the other side, like Bree you were saying, yeah. it's worth that that peace that comes over when you, I mean, are able to find whatever varying level of not body hate you you land on
1: and i just want to encourage any anybody listening if they're like yeah i know i probably need to do that but i don't want to then honor that Mm -hmm. honor Mm -hmm. that guess what we can live in denial we can acknowledge nope i that and that's a stage of grief by the way i'm not ready to deal with this and that's okay Mm -hmm. what i don't want you to do is get to the bargaining stage and think i can still fix this if you if you're oscillating between grief or depression and bargaining that's where i would encourage you to let's let's look at this before we make that decision Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have the right to body autonomy it's your body it's your life absolutely your choice
0: always always putting that on the table for clients who wanna to try to tell me that they don't wanna do things. I'm like, okay. And then they're like, you're not gonna tell me that I shouldn't do that. I'm like, you should do whatever you wanna do. But I wanna talk about why. I wanna talk about what's coming up when you're trying to make certain decisions. And that's that's ultimately it. But anyway, Brie, I so appreciate you giving all of these wisdoms to not just me, but everyone listening to this right now. And I think that the work that you're doing is honestly, if I can put a really bold statement out there, I think you're revolutionizing body image work. Well, that is the highest compliment and I, I appreciate you so much. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Like I said, I'm gonna gas you up forever. <laughs> I
1: oh my goodness. Thank oh, you. And of um, course. Of mutual course. respect and, and uh, yeah. Thank oh you so God. much.
0: I would love if you'd let everyone know where they can find you.
1: You can come follow me, Body Image with Brie, on Instagram, or you can listen to my podcast, Body Image with Brie, play on all, you know, player medias and there's a change coming to my podcast soon so be aware of that and then you can find me on my website which surprise surprise body <laughs>
0: awesome everyone go do all the things thanks so much brie thank you so much thanks everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed this amazing episode with brie i am so pleased with this episode i seriously I am just blown away by the wealth of knowledge Brie can provide in just a 45 minute episode, podcast episode. So I hope you are walking away with some tools and new knowledge about your body image healing journey and understand that it goes so much deeper than just being confident in what you look like. And those layers of grief can be really tough to work through alone. But you are definitely not alone. There are resources and other people out there who you can go to for support. You can head over to Bree's page, Body Image with Bree, if you'd like to see more of what she does and the people that she supports. And inside Behind the Binge Academy, my signature group coaching program, we have a monthly group coaching call specifically for body image with a body image coach. And so that's in addition to the regular group coaching calls that we have in relation to our relationship with food. But as we mentioned in this episode, body image healing goes hand in hand with our work on binge eating and disordered eating so if you are looking to get started on your dirty ditch dieting once and for all and create a healthful and peaceful relationship with food in your body head over to my instagram binge.nutritionist and hit the link in my bio to apply for group coaching or see what other offers there might be applicable to where, where you're getting started and what you need support on so i hope y'all enjoyed I'm sure you did because who wouldn't enjoy listening to Brie for an hour? But if you did, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me out. Just a quick few words. You seriously don't understand how much it means to me and for the algorithm uh, just to support getting this message out there to more people. But otherwise, I hope I will have you listening in to the next one. And yeah, see you next time. Bye, everyone.